to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to preach to you today a message that God laid in my heart, my spirit. And I've called it Stairway to Heaven. And it uh, has nothing to do with a rock and roll song. But uh, we're going to sanctify that title. Thank you so much. But this is a message that God gave me this week. I mean, there are times when I just know that I know that I know the message God has given me. And this is one of those days. And I've just been anxious to get to the pulpit and to preach today. And I mean, we've already spent a lot of time worshiping. So I'm going to try to get all this packed in here. But Genesis 28, Genesis 28, first book of the Bible, Genesis 28. I want to begin at verse 10. And we're going to read to verse 18. So there's a story here, and we're going to talk about that story. And I want to talk about Jesus today. We're going to start with Jacob. We're going to end up with Jesus. And the story goes like this. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land of which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put at his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God, if you're wondering. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Thank you for reverence the word. You can be seated this morning. So obviously this is a story about a man named Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. So Abraham was his grandfather. If you have ever heard the phrase Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there you go. That's who we're talking about today. At this point in his life, Jacob was not a very good man. He was, in, in the immortal words of a Jerry Seinfeld episode, he was a very bad man. And if you watch Jerry Seinfeld, everybody knows what I'm talking about. He was a very bad man. He was a cheater. He was a swindler. He cheated his brother out of his birthright, cheated his brother out of the firstborn blessing. His brother hated him. He was the kind of guy you could hate. Have you ever met somebody that you just didn't like him? I mean, you just you met him and you said, I don't like this person. That would be Jacob. Jacob Jacob would just get on your nerves, and you would not trust him. You would, you would end up disliking him. His brother Esau hated him so much he wanted to kill him. So that's the kind of guy. Now, Jacob grew up in a godly home with a godly father and a godly grandfather. So he was taught right and wrong, but he chose the wrong over the right, and it showed in his life. And so the faith of his father and his grandfather was not his faith. He didn't serve God. And to put it in terms that we would understand he was not right with God. He was a sinner. He was a sinful man. Now, this is the context of the story, the text that we read. Jacob's a single man, and he needs a wife. 
And so his dad, Isaac, says, I don't want you marrying a woman from Canaan because they're very wicked women and they serve Baal and they don't serve Jehovah. I want you to go back to your homeland, to Haran, and find you a wife there from our family and our people there. And Haran is located somewhere on the border of modern-day Syria, Turkey, and Iraq. And so Jacob leaves on this journey uh, to find a spouse, and he travels three days, and he stops to spend the night near a city called Luz. And preachers love to look up names in the Bible, and Luz means simply almond tree or twisted. And yet, if you look deeper, the word also can mean to turn aside. And maybe that makes sense that people are on their journey, and they would turn aside from their journey to stop at Luz to spend the night. But we preachers also like to spiritualize things that we see in the text. And for me, I just see that there's a symbol here of Jacob's spiritual condition. Here's a guy who has turned aside from the faith of his fathers and from God, and he's just living a twisted life of sin. Well, he... He, he, he's here now at Luz. He's not in the town. He's just in the, near the town. It's dark. He's alone. He's far from home. And I don't know how much you know about Jacob. He had a twin brother, Esau, but they were as different as night and day. And Esau and I would have gotten along together because Esau was a hunter. And, you know, I like to hunt and fish, and I'm an outdoorsman. And Jacob, I don't know so much if we would have got along real good because Jacob was a mama's boy. Anybody know about mama's boys? He was a mama's boy. He was domesticated. He liked to stay home. He'd rather watch Investigation Discovery or Snapped or HGTV. I don't know. He was just one of those guys just rather stay home and, and cook and nothing wrong with that. I cook. But he's just, he just wasn't an outdoorsy kind of guy. You, you get the picture. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but he's just get that picture. So now you've got this domesticated mama's boy who's probably never stayed one night away from home. He's used to the comforts. He's used to, he's never roughed it, okay? He's always, everything's got to be comfortable and nice. Now he's out, and he's got this hard ground to sleep on. And to show you, see, there are things in the Bible. Everybody's going to see it different. This is how I see it. To show you how pitiful this guy is when it comes to the great outdoors, He's got, a, he got, he wants to go to sleep. He gets a stone for a pillow. I'm sorry, but what kind of idiot uses a stone for a pillow? He gets up, I mean, just curl your head up on your arm for Pete's sakes or wad up your coat, but he tries to sleep on a pillow. And, and, and anyway, that's pretty, piz, pretty, pretty pitiful. And uh, he tries it. And that's, a, and by the way, preachers love to say, you know, pithy things. And, and I like to think that he's on the hard ground and he's sleeping on a pillow. And that night he found himself between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> I figured you'd like that. And so, you know, if you think about it, again, we spiritualize. Doesn't that typify a sinful life? I think, I think what's happening to him typifies a life when you're in sin. I mean, everybody in this building was a sinner one time. For those of us that are saved, if you're here today and you're still in sin, we, we all understand. We were there, but you make stupid, foolish decisions, and they usually end up making life hard for you. It's hard. You, it's, life's hard, and you make stuff hard in yourself because you make the wrong moral, moral choices. So anyway, somehow... Mr. Wonder Boy here falls asleep, and when he does, he has a dream, and it is an amazing dream, and it's not because he had too much pizza the night before. He has a God dream. So I want to explain this dream and preach on this dream because this is what God laid in my spirit today to bring to you. He sees what we read in our Bible, that there is a ladder that comes down that connects heaven and earth. Now, I want you to get rid of the idea, the picture in your mind of an extension ladder. Get rid of that. Because that's really not the image here. 
It is more of a stairway. How many of you have stairs in your house? Okay, so you understand what I'm talking about. We've all walked up and down stairs. So I want you to imagine kind of like stairs from, from one of those movies where it's a big wide staircase and, and it has the beautiful railings and it's on earth and it goes all the way up. Oh, can you imagine how far it goes all the way up to heaven to where God is? That's what we've got here. And he sees this staircase. And so what is it? Well, here's what God spoke to me. It's kind of what I feel like I need to bring to you today. That staircase is a connection between heaven and earth. It is a bridge between the world of the supernatural and our natural world, between our physical world and the spiritual realm. In this story, it is a bridge or a connecting point between God and sinful Jacob. Do you see that? And so this is important because there's a picture here. There's something we have to learn. See, some of our founding fathers were, were Christians, but they were deists. Deist, and we're not deist, okay? So if you're wondering, but here's what deism says. Deism says that you can know God, but you know it through reason. Not so much faith, but through your mind, through reason. But even though you know God and you have a relationship with God, and it's sort of a rational thing, that you cannot have an encounter with God because God does not intervene in the affairs of men. God does not interact with humanity. They, they called God the great watchmaker, and, and they said God made things and, and then like a watch, like an old watch, he would wind up the watch and get things going, and then he would just sit back and watch it happen. And that's what they believed. Well, we don't believe that. And, and I want to tell you today that God is not up in heaven, separated from you, and never inter interacting with you. I love the fact that we sang that first song about how God is alive and Jesus is alive. He is alive and well, and he's active in the world, and he's active in your life. Listen, he knows who you are. He knows where you work. He knows what you do. He knows where you live. He knows what you're doing right now. He knows what you face. He knows what you need. And he knows where you are spiritually. Okay, so there's this bridge. This is what God wants me to just bring to you today. This is, there's a bridge if you It's a stairway, but there's a connection between God and, and Jacob, heaven and earth. Angels are going up and down. So here, let me just explain to you what I think is happening here. Hebrews 1 says that angels are ministering spirits that go forth to minister to, to the people of God. Or, or, they go on the assignment of God. Whatever God wants them to do, that's what they do. He dispatches them. So what's going on with up and down descending is very simple. The angels that are coming down have an assignment from God, and they are coming down on the earth to go fulfill their assignment. The angels that are going up have fulfilled their assignment that God has given them, and they're heading back to heaven to give a report to God. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that God is active in this world, that he's dispatching spiritual messengers and envoys and ambassadors to work in the lives of people, okay? You need to know that God is at work in people's lives, and God is at work in your life. Now, let me just talk to everybody here that's saved, that you're a child of God. You know that God works in your life, right? He's answering your prayers. He's meeting your needs, strengthening you, encouraging you, comforting you, guiding you, helping you, protecting you. Am I right? When you're sorrowful, he makes you glad. 
When, 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 you're, when you're bound, he delivers you. When you're sick, he heals you. When you're troubled, he gives you peace. When you're weak, he makes you strong. When you're low, he lifts you up, okay? God's always working in our life. But I wanna to talk to anybody that's here this morning that is not saved, you're not right with God. Okay, let's just call it like it is. If you go to a doctor's office, they're gonna diagnose it and say, you're sick. You come here and we're gonna say, you're a sinner. Might as well say it, you're in church. This is the best place to diagnose. If you're not right with the Lord today, you may think, well, God doesn't work in my life. Oh, yes, he does. God doesn't just ignore you. He's convicting you. You ever felt bad about your sins? That's called conviction. That's the work of God. He's drawing you, reaching out to you in love. Why? Because he wants to save you. He's making himself real to you so that you'll respond to him and be saved. So here, here's Jacob having this divine encounter with God. God's stairway is connecting to earth. Angels of God are ministering. There's, and then he hears the voice of God. God speaks. I just want to say today, because there are people who actually think God doesn't speak anymore. Did you know that? Church people, pastors, preachers, God doesn't speak to us anymore. He speaks to us through the Bible. If you want to hear from God, read your Bible. Well, I read my Bible, but I also know God speaks, and he still speaks, and he speaks through a lot of different means. You can hear from God through a sermon. You can hear from God today through me. I'm not God, but he'll use me as a vessel through lessons, podcasts, songs. He could have been speaking to people. I believe he was speaking to people through the messages of these songs, through testimonies, through the Bible, obviously. Sometimes it's that quiet inner voice. I tell this story in Growth Track. Most of you have heard it, but there are some of you who've never heard this. But when we built this building in 2001, the last week before we moved in, all we had to do was grade the parking lot, pay the parking lot, and stripe it. And it's June, it's Father's Day was when we moved in. It's June, it pours rain around here in June. And that week, the workers worked, the, the, the contractors worked, and got everything done, and we got our CO, and not one drop of rain fell on this property in a week in June while it rained everywhere else around us. Now that in itself is a miracle, but one day, I left the house, got up that morning. I knew it had rained all night at my house. I lived at Silverleaf down here, Midway Road, about four or five miles, whatever. And it rained. I got up the next morning. My car's wet. Everything's wet. I thought, oh, Lord, this, this may be a catastrophe. I jump in the car. I start racing up Midway Road. Y'all have seen asphalt when it gets wet, right? It gets dark. Okay, when it's dry, it's lighter colored. You can see the difference. Road's dark. It's wet. Everything's wet. I'm zooming up. And I get to this intersection out here at the church. I'm ready to go through that intersection because I'm afraid I'm going to get up here and there's water everywhere and it's messed everything. The Spirit of God says, stop. Now, if that ever happens, you don't hear it. It's like, did you hear a voice? You don't hear it, but you hear it. How many have ever had it happen to you? You don't know what I'm talking about. You just, it's like you don't hear him, but you hear it. It will arrest you. You'll, you'll straighten up. It's like when your mama called your name. When she used your whole name. She used your middle name. And I'm, I didn't care if there was, there could have been 20 cars behind me. I wasn't moving. I stopped. I said, yes, Lord. It, it shocked me. It got me. I said, yeah. He said, look. So I started looking. I was in such a rush. I was going to rush through that intersection. I looked at Hopal Church Road. It's wet. I looked at Brazil Road that meets it. It's wet. I knew Midway Road at this point was wet. And I stopped long enough to look at the intersection 
and there in the intersection at our property, like you had made a line in the road, the asphalt from there on was dry. It was two-tone. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. The Lord said, drive. So I drove. Now I'm driving on dry asphalt on Midway Road. I didn't pull into the work zone here in the church. I kept driving because I know where the other side of the property line is. I said, I got to see something. I got over here to the other side of the property line. I kid you not, when I got there, there was a two-tone again right at the property line where it was dry and where the property line ended, the asphalt all the way up. I had to keep driving. The asphalt was wet all the way up Midway Road. Evidently, a storm came in the night, and when it did, God put his hands up like this on our property and said, can't touch this. He did a little MC on it. Can't touch this. And God didn't. Now, that's a true story. And, 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 and I thank God. I mean, that's the miracle working power of God. But I'm telling you that to say God still speaks to us. If you're saved, he speaks to you. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. That means he's talking and you're hearing. So he speaks to warn us and encourage us and lead us and, and chastise us sometimes and to teach us. But if you're here today and you're not saved, oh, he speaks to you. You may not even realize it. I think he's speaking to you right now through this message. And then he's speaking to your heart. Maybe in those quiet times, nobody's around. You're done partying, doing whatever you do. And by yourself, you'll hear that still voice that says, you know you're doing wrong. You know you're not living right. You know you shouldn't have done that. You know you shouldn't have said that. You know you shouldn't have treated that person that way. You know if you died right now, you'd split hell wide open. You know that, right? You're running from me. I don't know why you're running, but I love you, and I sent my son to die for you, and I'll save you, and I'll change you if you'll just give me half a chance. God speaks. He sure does. And so he speaks to Jacob. And God's words to Jacob are this, I am the Lord God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. Now, let me explain this, because I really felt God, there's some things that God wanted me to preach today. I'm the God of your, your daddy, Abraham and Isaac. Okay, here's what God is saying to Jacob. I'm your daddy's God, and I'm your granddaddy's God, but I ain't your God. I'm not your God, and why is that, Jacob? Why is that? If you have or had, because your parents may have died, your grandparents may have died. So if you have had or you presently have a godly parents, a godly parent or parents or grandparents, you have no idea how blessed you are. And you need to thank God for that. Don't you take your godly parents for granted. There are people in this church who have told me, my mother was a heathen, my daddy was an alcoholic, my mother was a witch, my grandparents hated me, they were mean, I never had anybody godly in my life. Of course, what I always tell those people is, are you saved? And they say, yeah, I say, good for you. You just started a, you just killed that old lineage and you just started a brand new godly lineage. Congratulations. You're gonna be the godly mom and the godly dad and then your kids are gonna have kids and you're gonna be godly grandma and grandpa. You're gonna start a whole new lineage of godly people. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that awesome? And so, so if you had it, that's wonderful. If you had a mother and a father that served the Lord and took you to church or whatever, great. But listen to me. You cannot get to heaven on your mother's faith. You cannot make it to heaven on your daddy's salvation. 
You have to have your own trust and confidence in God. You have to be saved. You have to get right with God. He has to become your God and your Savior. And it's interesting that God makes these awesome promises to Jacob. You don't need to miss this. Awesome promises. He talks about them. He's going to give them possessions and a posterity and purpose and divine presence and divine protection. I could preach a whole message there. But what is he doing? Look, notice it. He is extending unbelievable grace and mercy to a cat that doesn't deserve it. Dude doesn't deserve it at all. And isn't that what he still does today? When I got saved, I didn't deserve it. How about you? You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. Steeped in my sin, full of guilt, fear, and shame, embarrassed for the way I lived, away from God, living like a heathen, embarrassing my parents. and everything. Think about the life you lived. You didn't deserve anything, yet God said, I love you, and I'm going to save you, and I'm going to change your life, and I'm going to do so much for you. You don't deserve anything, but I'm going to give you possessions. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a posterity. I'm going to give you purpose in this life. I will go with you. I'm going to be with you all the time. I'm going to live inside of you. I'm going to protect you. That's how great, wonderful God is, and that's how much he loves us. Even when we're, he's saying it to a guy who's a cheat and a swindler and a guy you just wouldn't trust and like. So Jacob's having this divine encounter with God, and really how I want to finish this message today is I want us to look at how he reacts. He wakes from the dream and from the sleep, and the first thing he says is, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I'm going to be very honest with you. God told me to preach this text. You just don't know how God deals with preachers. It's just, he deals with every one of us differently. I knew I was supposed to preach on this. I knew I was supposed to talk about a bridge and a connection with God. I know what God wants me to say to you all today. And I said, well, you know, I'm writing down notes all week and I'm studying and it's just not coming together. I thought, well, I've been preaching for a long time. I have a toolbox. It doesn't have a hammer and wrench and pliers in it. It has sermons. I have a file cabinet filled with sermons, 35 years of preaching. So I said, surely I've preached on this text. And I went over to my Genesis file and pulled it out, popped it open. Sure enough, D, I had four sermons. I said, praise the Lord, we got this thing made today. I'll just rework one of these, and that's what we do. And and by the way, don't think that's weird, because you don't buy a new hammer every time you need a hammer. Do you? You just go to the toolbox and use the same one, right? So I, I went over there, and you know you don't you don't cook a you don't cook a different meal every meal every time you feed the family, right? I mean, my family ate spaghetti and tacos and chili more time than they could ever count. So so I, I here we go. And I, I looked through those four sermons, not a one of them. Oh, you can preach about the church if you ever want to preach about the church. This is a pastor to preach about the church. Nothing. I kept looking through a few good things. I said, God, this is, and so I, I thought this is not working. So I went and I prayed. I did my prayer time. I'm walking. And I, I'd written notes and whatever, trying to get ready for today to feed y'all. And I was walking. I was praying about this message. And the Lord began to speak to me and talk to me. And he showed me something in prayer that I have never read in a book except the Bible. And so I'm going to share with you today what God showed me. The Lord said to me, look in this passage. Look in this Old Testament story. Because, you know, the Old Testament stories always end up showing you Jesus. And he said, if you look close, he's, the Lord just be speaking to me while I'm praying. I'm just praying. He said, look, because look, he said, Jesus is there. And so I started looking. 
Sure, the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it until I started looking, and I found him. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God who came from heaven to earth to build a bridge to bring God and man together. There is a passage of Scripture that says, For there is one man and one mediator between God and men. I mean, there is one God. Let me get it right here. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Do you know what a mediator is? He's a go-between. Get it? Go-between. Sound very familiar in the story? Up, down, go. That's Jesus is the go-between between a holy God and a sinful man, right? He is the one that builds the bridge and makes it. Let me show you this. So the angels are going up and down on assignment. They go up, they come down with an assignment, they fulfill the assignment, they go back to heaven, finish the assignment. What did Jesus do? He came to this earth as a baby, robed with flesh, with an assignment. I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He lived a sinless life. They killed him on an old rugged cross. And before he breathed his last, he said, assignment is over. It is finished. And he gave up his spirit. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he came out, showed himself alive for 40 days. And what did he do? He went back to heaven, sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God, looked at Papa God and said, it's finished, assignment completed, redemption accomplished and now applied. He, Hebrews 1 says, God didn't send any angels to save us, but he looked at his son and he said, a body I have prepared for you. He didn't need an angel. Angels can do all kinds of things for humanity, but this one an angel couldn't take care of. The angel of the Lord with a capital A who happens to be the pre-incarnate Jesus, he had to send the son of God to come down here. God had to take care of our sin problem. Do you see it? In one place, he, Jacob goes on, we read it. He said, wow, this... This is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. No, it wasn't. It was wilderness. There were no, there's no church. There were stones and, and wilderness. I've never been to Israel, but I've seen pictures. There ain't no gates out there. Shrubs, brush, bushes. No, well, so then there must be more to it. Yeah. He was experiencing God, and wherever God is, that's God's house. That's where God's living. That's where God is. God's everywhere. But he said, this is the So you said, what's, what's the big deal, Pastor? Well, there is a big deal because Jesus, Jesus robed with John. The Lord said, go to John 1.14. So I went to John 1.14, and it says, and the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt literally means tabernacled or housed among us the body of Jesus housed God the incarnation was never the subtraction of deity it was just the addition of humanity so that's why he could look at Philip and say if you've seen me you've seen the father some people couldn't get past his flesh that's why they put him on a cross some of them killed him because they couldn't look past the house to see who was in the house that's why people today, I don't believe Jesus is anything. It's because you can't get past the house to see who's in the house. 
If you feel like I'm stretching a little bit, Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll build it back up. And he was talking about his body. What's a temple? It's the house of Jesus is all in this story. Can you see him? This is the gateway to heaven. No, well, if God's there, what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. You got to go through a gate. He said, I am the doorway of the sheepfold. You can't get in the sheepfold unless you go through. Is that cool or what? Jesus is in this story. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, I want to read this. It's on the screen. Jesus said these words. He said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way in which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So if you are a sinner here today, in this house, or you're watching online right now, listen to me. You've already walked through a gate. It's a wide gate. It's the gate of sin. And you're headed down a road that leads to the destruction. It's eventually going to put you in hell for eternity. But you can get off an exit ramp. And you can go through a narrow gate. And his name is Jesus. And that will take you onto another path. There won't be a lot of people there. Your friends won't go with you. Your boyfriend or girlfriend who won't get right, they may not go with you. You're going to have to let them go. But that road will take you on the road to heaven. It'll put you in right relationship with Jesus right now, and it'll take you to heaven in eternity one of these days. Jesus is all in this story. So Jacob was in a hard place, but his encounter with God turned it into a heavenly place. And I'm going to close with this. So old Jacob, mama's boy, domesticated Jacob, tried to sleep on that pillow, that stone, now, I, I don't think he was a little stone. I think he was, he was a big stone. I don't think it was no Mike Lindell, my pillow stone. Okay, it, it was, it, but it was, and, and it might have been a king-size bed. Y'all seen them king-size bed pillows? How many of y'all, your wife has 42 pillows on your bed? I have my hand up. So he takes the stone and, you know, we preachers, see, we always like, we, we preachers like these sayings, right? Okay, so here's mine. Here's another one. Ready? He took his pillow and turned it into a pillar. But if he was from Anderson, he'd have took his pillar and turned it into a pillar because that's what we call pillows anyway, right? It ain't yellow. It's yeller. And a lot of us live in South Carolina. And Pastor Johnson used to say about my wife, I can say Lear and I can say Leah. But I choose to say Lear. So he took his pillow and he raised it up on its side and stood it up and turned it into a pillar. Then he took oil and he poured it on it. So what's happening here? Don't miss this. Jacob has had a divine encounter with God. And Jacob has decided that he's going to take the faith of his daddy and the faith of his granddaddy, and not because of them, but because of his now heavenly daddy, he's going to serve the Lord and have his own faith. And he sets up a pillar. That's a monument. Now, we got monuments around here at Anderson. What do you put monuments up? Monuments are put up to commemorate something special that happened. 
right? Something special happened to Jacob. God changed him. God started him on a journey in walking with him, and he poured oil. When you put oil on things, you dedicate it. And Jacob was saying, today I dedicate myself to God. And from this point on, I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to serve him. And the faith of my fathers is now going to be my faith. And he began his walk with the Lord. I want to say this to anybody here that's not saved. You have to start somewhere, sometime in your walk with God. You have to start. And I really feel like God wanted me to speak this message today that you had, you've been raised in a Christian home. Listen, we're down south. We're in the Bible Belt. There are churches on every corner. Everybody thinks they're a Christian. They're not, but they think they are. You may fall in that category where you were raised right and you were raised no right from wrong, but you have chosen to do wrong and you, you come to church and you're just hanging out with us, but you know in your heart you're not where you ought to be with God and you haven't appropriated. Listen, at some point, you got to make up your mind. You got to listen to the Holy Spirit, especially if God is dealing with you and you have to say, you know what? I got to start somewhere sometime and God's reaching out to me today. Today is the day I'm going to start serving the Lord. I'm going to repent of my sins and give my life to Jesus. And from this day, it's going to cost me some things. i got to count the cost, pay the price. But from this day on, I'm going to live for Jesus. None of this fake Christianity stuff. I'm going to live for him 100% in every area of my life. Somewhere, sometime, you have to start with your walk with God. So why not trust Jesus as your Savior? Give your life to him today. Enter the narrow gate and experience eternal life today. I want you to stand with me this morning, please. We've had a wonderful service. The power and the presence of God has been so real in this place. He's still here. This is the house of God. And it's not the house of God because it's a church building. It's the house of God because the people of God are here and God is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. But you can come to church and be in a church building and walk out and not be affected. Don't let that happen today. Let this be the house of God. Let this be the gateway to heaven for you. If you're not right with the Lord, let this be the gateway to heaven. To leave your, I feel so strong in the Holy Spirit right now to tell you, leave your stinking life of sin. It's destroying you. You know it. It's chipping away at you. The deception and the lies of sin has you so bound. And there are things right now that you want to get right with God, but there are, I feel this in the Spirit. I feel prophetic right now that God is saying there are things in your life that are holding you. They're just, they're cords that are holding on to you. But God says if you'll just ask Him, He will clip those cords. He will cut them and He will wrap them away from you. Take them off of you. Wrap them off of you and set you free so that you can live your life completely for the Lord. Don't, don't let the deception of this world and the, the allurement of sin keep you from real life. Because you ain't living yet, trust me. 
Ask anybody in here who was in sin and they got saved, they'll tell you, you think you're really living. You think Christians are all, they're kind of miserable. It's the other way around. You miserable, we're some of the happiest people in the world. We don't have to drink anything to get there. Because we have this joy inside of us. We have Jesus inside. Listen, I'm telling you that God is reaching out to you. You got to start somewhere sometime and today's the day. So with every head bowed, nobody looking, please. I'm going to ask for this privacy. Okay, just nobody looking. If you'll do that for me for just a minute. Who in this place will say, Pastor Chris, God set me up this morning. I am here by divine appointment. And God is using you to speak to me and this word and the spirit of God is dealing with me and I am not right with God, but today I have got to get right with God. Today is my sometime somewhere and I want to be saved. I, I want to get right with God today. With nobody looking, raise your hand in this house. Raise it high where I can see you. God bless you, ma'am. I can see you. Anybody else? You got to raise it high. Yes, honey, I see you. God bless you. Put your hand out. Anybody? Yes, sir, I see you. Put your hand out. Anybody else in this house? Three honest people. Come on. Don't you fight it. Don't fight it. Raise your hand. That's me, Pastor. I need to get saved. Today's my somewhere sometime. Come on. We had one man in the early service. We got three in this one. Anybody else? This is a divine moment. Amen. Amen. I see that hand in the back. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? I'm not going to linger. Either you want to get saved or you don't. I don't, I don't linger anymore. I don't beg people because it's not my job. Either you got you make up your mind you're going to get right with God or you don't. Anybody else? All right. Three people need our help, church. Brothers and sisters, my family, three people need help. Can we help them? The easiest way I know how, I've been doing this for all my ministry, is if we pray the sinner's prayer. For those of you who raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer, and we're going to say it with you, all of us. And I want you to have faith in God. I want you to lean on God's grace. I want you to mean it. You might start crying while you're saying it, but you say it with meaning, with sincerity. And if you will, and with faith, I believe God's giving you the faith right now. God will save you because the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So everybody in this house, come on, let's help three people out. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. And I am so sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for failing you, rebelling against you, disappointing you. I'm embarrassed. I'm guilty. Come on, y'all. I'm ashamed, but I want you to save me. Change me. Change my life. Please take my sins away. Forgive me, Lord. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. I know you did it, and you did it for me. There is something about your death that has the power, come on y'all, to set me free. And I believe that. So forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, change me, take me Lord. I don't deserve it, but I'm coming anyway. And by grace and by faith, I believe you're saving me. And right now, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. You're my rescuer. You're my deliverer, and you're my leader, and I'm going to live for you. Come on, say it. And I repent. I'm turning my back on sin, not going there anymore. For the, all of my days, I'm going to live for you, and I'm going to serve you. Now say, thank you, Jesus, for saving. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for changing my life. Thank you for putting my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now I want everybody to say this. Say, I'm saved. I'm saved. 
I'm saved and I know that I am in Jesus name amen come on somebody celebrate in this house because my God I think three people gave their life to Jesus today somebody worship in this house hallelujah thanks for listening be sure to join us Sunday mornings our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045 for more information please visit us at highpraises.org